All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 76. Psalms chapter 76 tonight. Once you find your place in the Word of God, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is His tabernacle and His dwelling place in Zion. There break He the arrows of the bow, the shield, and the sword, and the battle, Selah. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At Thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into dead sleep. Thou, even Thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in Thy sight when once Thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah, surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shall thou restrain. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Our Father, we bow in your presence now, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom, leadership, and guidance. May the will of God be done in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach on when the battle is over. When the battle is over. When we come to Psalms chapter 76, the psalmist here pays tribute uh, to the Lord God for giving the victory. And I think if he was going to take Psalm 76 as a whole and describe it in one word, the word victory would be that word. God has given Israel a great victory. This psalm is in connection with 2 Kings chapter number 19 uh, when 185,000 Assyrians were slain in one night uh, at the hand of Almighty God. God knows how to give His people the victory. And you and I can testify to that, that there's been times that we faced the enemy and we have fought the battle and we know that God gave the victory. That it wasn't our hand that wrought that victory, but it was a divine hand that wrought that. Well, that's what happens here in Psalms chapter 76. The battle is over and what the psalmist is doing, he's magnifying and he's praising God. I think when God gives us victories in our life, we ought to do the same. We ought to give Him the glory. We ought to give Him the honor, both privately and publicly. And so here we see the psalmist as he pins these words down. He wants to magnify of the Lord for this victory. I want you to notice with me in verses 1 through 4 here the majesty of the victorious God. Because that's what he talks about. He talks about the majesty of this victorious God. He said, In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is His tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. He uses the word Judah, and Judah simply means praise. And then he mentions in verse number uh, verse number 2, Salem. And Salem uh, means peace. And we know that Salem uh, is that uh, old poetic name for the name of, J- of Jerusalem. And so he mentions Israel and Jerusalem. He's talking about Judah, that place of, uh, of praise. He talks about Salem, that place of peace. And so he is praising God uh, for the peace both in his country and then in the capital there of Jerusalem. He talks about in verse number 2 as he says, Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place is in Zion. When he uses that word tabernacle, that word tabernacle means pavilion. And the word dwelling or the phrase dwelling place, when he mentions here, it talks about 
habitation. And it has to do uh, with that of the idea of a den. And so when the psalmist is talking about his pavilion, his tabernacle, and he talks about his dwelling place, his habitation, the idea of a den being in Zion, what he is saying here is that these Assyrians, uh, they've come in and they, they have they've awoken that, uh, the line of the tribe of Judah. They've awoken God Almighty whenever they came against God's people. And God has taken them down with a strong and a mighty hand. He talks about the, the majesty of this great and, and this mightiest God, a mighty God, the majesty of a victorious God. I'm glad that we serve a God that is all powerful and that He, uh, that he has all, all strength and that He's able to take the enemy down. And we find that in this text here as the psalmist begins to, uh, he begins to talk about God is known. He mentions here the revelation of His majesty that Judah is, is in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. Uh, they have revealed the majesty of God amongst themselves. You know, we all let this world know that, that we're on the winning side. We all let this world know that God gives us the victory whenever we see an answer to prayer, whenever God does something magnificent in our life. We ought to not be ashamed to testify and to tell others about uh, the good hand of God. We ought to be a witness, and that's what they're doing in verse number 1. They're making His name uh, known. Judah, that place of praise. Salem, that place of peace. He's being known. We see the revelation of His majesty. And then we see the reverence of His majesty in verse number 2. As the Bible says in Salem, also is His tabernacle. That's that place of worship, that pavilion we just mentioned. And that's that place where they go and they worship. And so when God gave the victory, you know what Israel did? They worshiped God. They magnified God. I think when God gives the victory, we ought to go to church and worship. We ought to go to church and magnify His name and lift His name up. Whenever the preacher gets up and says, anybody got a word testimony? There ought to be somebody willing to jump up and thank God for the opportunity and thank God for the victory that He's given in our life. And so we see the majesty of the victorious God, the revelation of His majesty. We see the reverence of His majesty. And then we see the residence of His majesty is published in verse number 2. He talks about in His dwelling place in Zion. Amen? That's God's dwelling place. And, and the Jew never forgot that. And they magnified His dwelling place. And you know, I think about the house of God. I think about the church. That's His dwelling place. I think about you and I as the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's His dwelling place. And we ought to recognize that. How wonderful it is that God would take His abode up in our heart and in our life. We ought to give Him praise every day. We ought to stand up and we ought to glorify His name. When we get up in the morning time, we ought to spend time in prayer and we ought to praise His name. Spend time worshiping Him for who He is and, and who He is in our life. And so the t- psalm this talks about the majesty of this victorious God. Look what he said in verse number 4. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. I'm talking about, listen, God's majesty exceeds the mountains. God's majesty is higher than the highest. Amen? It's holier than the holiest. Amen? God's majesty, my friend, far exceeds beyond man's comprehension and his vocabulary. We can never praise Him enough. We can never glorify Him enough for all the good things that He has done in our life. I'm glad that you can praise Him in the morning time. You can praise Him in the noon time. You can praise Him in the evening time. You can praise Him when you rise up in the morning. You can praise Him when you go to bed at night. His name is worthy to be praised. The psalmist said from the rising of the sun 
His name is worthy to be praised. I thank God for the opportunity to, to glorify the, the majesty of this victorious God. And that's what the psalmist does in these first four, four verses here. And then in verses 5 through 7, we not only see the majesty of this victorious God, but I want you to see the might of this victorious God. Notice the might of this victorious God. He said, the stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the, of the men of might have found their hands. In other words, a, a God has annihilated them. He said, at thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. In other words, there's no man to stand there and, and to take up that chariot and take up that horse and, and to ride them. He said in verse 7, Thou, even thou, art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? The psalmist goes into great detail, describing to us the mighty power of this glorious God that we serve. I, sometimes I think we forget how powerful our God is. I think we forget how mighty that our God is. We, we pray sometimes little prayers and, and sometimes we pray no prayers. You know why? Because we forget not only His majesty, but we forget His might. That God has all ability, He has all power, He has all strength. And notice in verse 5 that He talks about the stout-hearted. Those that have stood against God, the stout-hearted, God has taken them down. He that being often reproved and stiffeneth his neck, the Bible says, shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You know, God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The Bible said, humble yourself therefore in the sight of God, and He shall lift you up. I want to say, if you humble yourself, God will give you mercy. He'll give you grace. But if you, uh, if you have a stout heart, in other words, if you resist the Lord, then you'll face surely the, judge, the judgment of God and the, and the wrath of God. And that's what this crowd in verse number 5 ha, has experienced. They have went against God and against God's people and God has taken down the stout-hearted. I want to tell you tonight that there's no one that is any match for God. The devil's no match for God. There's no army. There's no king. There's no captain. He is all-powerful. He has all the strength and all the ability to take down anyone that he so pleases too. We see the stout-hearted. Then we see the spoiled. Notice he said here, the stout-hearted are spoiled. God has spoiled them. He has taken them out. The battle of Armageddon proves that. When you think about the battle of Armageddon, it'll be a time when every king and every captain and every nation and every army will come against God and God will annihilate them and spoil them there in that valley of Megiddo, the pl in the plains of Megiddo, the valley of Jehoshaphat. God is going to annihilate, annihilate every one of them. The Bible said out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He's just going to speak and he's going to annihilate the stout hearted. They're going to be spoiled just like they was in Psalm 76. And then notice the sleep here in verse number 5. He said they have slept their sleep. Now, when the Bible talks about sleep, here's talking about death. In other words, God has destroyed them. He has killed them. You know, God is a God of life, but He's also a God of death. He's the giver of life, and He's the taker of life. And those that go against Him will surely go to a premature, premature grave. And that's what we find in our text here. They've stood against God. The Bible said in Proverbs 27 and verse number 10, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. You live a wicked life, you're going to live a short life. 
You live a wicked life, you're not going to live out all your days. You say, well, preacher, I know some wicked people that has lived to be pretty old. Yes, but they're going to be cut down like a flower in the springtime of life. God is not going to let them live out all of their days had they served God and lived for God. The Bible said the, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. You want to live a long life? Then you ought to fear God and keep His commandments and walk in His ways. But we see the stout-hearted. We see the spoiled. We see the sleep. And we even see the stallions. Notice what he said in verse number 6. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horses are cast into dead sleep. In other words, God has taken the horses down. He's taken down their chariots. He's taken down their horses. He has taken down their army. He's taken down their soldiers. Look at verse number 7. We see the strength. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. Who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Talking about the fierceness, the strength of God, the ability of God. We're talking about one God against a mighty army, and He annihilates them. He takes them down. The Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The Word of God also says that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And just as this nation turned against God's people, they turned against God and He took them down and He annihilated them. Can I stop and say this? God defended Israel in this chapter of the Word of God. And I'll tell you, God will still defend Israel today. There may be nations that's looking upon that nation, uh, wanting and willing to take them down and waiting for their opportunity uh, to come after them. But I promise you this, that God... God has already pinned it down in His Word that He's going to defend that nation. He's going to take care of that nation. He will give them the ultimate victory in the end. And Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. And my friend, listen, Jesus Christ will sit upon the throne of David and He will rule this earth for a thousand years. And that was their hope then. That is still their hope now. They may be blinded, but one day the scales is going to come off of their eyes and they're going to see Him for who He really is. And they're going to see that the, the the fierce, mighty power of Jehovah. Uh, one day they're going to see it at that battle of Armageddon. And it's just as God has given them the victory when the battle is over and they magnify Him, God has given you and I the victory today. The same God. We see the majesty of the victorious God. We see the might of the victorious God. And then we see the mercy of the victorious God. Look at verse number 8. He said, Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Selah. What I notice in this text here is that we see here uh, the mercy of the victory victorious God. The enemies are scattered in verse number 7. The earth is shattered in verse number 8. As, listen, as the enemies lie dead upon the ground in verse 7, the Bible says in verse number 8, Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was stilled. I mean, it took, the, it took heaven and earth's breath as God began to pour out His anger. He poured out His, his vengeance upon the enemy. God came in uh, in a fierce, in a in, in an in a very uh, very uh, powerful way, in such a way that it caused heaven and earth to, to step back and to stand still. That's the God that we serve. He created these worlds and, and God controls these worlds and God is one day going to conquer this world. Amen. I think about His mercy. In wrath, we see in verse 8 and 9 that in wrath God remembered mercy. When God arose, He said in verse number 9, to judgment, to save all the meek... Of the earth. You know, the Bible said the meek shall inherit the earth. And God showed mercy upon his people here. God did not deliver Israel because of them, but in spite of them. 
wasn't because of who they are and what they had done. It was because God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a merciful God. You know, I'm glad that God has given the victory at the, in, the, in my life when I faced battles. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's been times when God has given me the victory when I didn't deserve that. I'm not saying that I ever deserve the victory, but there's been times in my life that I've even wondered, God, why in the world did you bring deliverance there? I'll tell you why, because in wrath, God remembers mercy. God knows that we're but dust. God knows at the end of the day, He knows that He knows our frame. He knows who we are. And we'll never win one battle and be able to say because it was because of us. Every battle we've ever won, it's been because of Him. Every battle we've ever, every hilltop that we've ever taken, it's been because God helped us up one side of the hill and down the other. He thrust the enemy out of the way. Don't you thank God that He goes before you, that God makes a way, and that He prepares a way, and that God cares enough to, to give us the victory and conquer the enemies that we face in our life. And I'm telling you, the God of yesterday is still the God of today and He'll be the God of tomorrow. I don't know how, I don't know where, and I don't know when He's going to see us through all the things that we're facing in life. But I know one thing. I don't know what will happen to this world. I don't know what will happen to this nation. But I know that God will take care of His children, His mighty power. In the wrath, God will show mercy to those that will seek after that mercy. And God kept His covenant here. He was good to the nation of Israel and He was merciful unto them. I see God's mercy and we see the mercy of the victorious God, the majesty of the victorious God, the might of the victorious God. But I want you to notice the magnifying of the victorious God because when we get to verse number 10, the psalmist says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Now that's interesting I think about a statement that Charles Spurgeon made. He said, The devil blows the fire and melts the iron, and then the Lord fashions it for his own purpose. And that's what verse number 9 is talking about. When God arose to judgment, verse 10, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. You know, God will even use the wrath of man for his own glory. And what I mean by that is God does not, uh, God does not uh, approve of what man does. But when man gets angry and man tries to go against God, God will allow man to, to, to formulate his anger and even allow him to play out some of his anger. But in the end, you know what's going to happen? God's always going to win and man's always going to lose. Those that blaspheme His name and those that mock His name and those that, that misuse His name, they, they may look like they're getting by and God's allowing their, uh, their anger to, to be on display. You know why? Because in the end He's going to conquer them. In the end God's going to come out and He's going to be on the winning side and He's going to get the ultimate glory. And then the Bible says in verse number, uh, verse number 10 that the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. In other words, God's only going to let man go so far. God's only going to let man uh, go, go to a point, and there is a cutting off point. Friend, I would say to every sinner, you ought to think about that. Mercy runs out on everyone eventually. And God is a God of mercy, and God's a God of grace, but He is a God of wrath and judgment. And both, uh, uh, both of that is seen in this text here. God pours out His vengeance, His wrath, His judgment on those that go against Him. And while one hand is bringing deliverance uh, to those that are seeking after that mercy, that same hand is also bringing wrath and judgment to those that turn against it. Oh, listen to me. If you're not saved, if you're not right with God, you need to get saved. You need to get right with God because mercy runs out. You can only spurn the invitation so many times. Some have only received that invitation one time. Others have spurned it a lifetime, but one day they're cut down just like these in our text. 
If you're lost without God, today ought to be your day of salvation. The Bible talks about in verse number 10 that sinners are going to praise Him. They're going to praise Him with His anger. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Even though they don't realize it. Even though they've got their evil agenda, their hidden agendas, and they, they go against God, and they go against God's people, and they want to try to tear down what they don't realize is in the end, they're, through their wrath and through their anger, they're going to praise God. I think about the famous uh, atheist Voltaire who denied the very existence of God and, and denied that there was a God, but... Uh, but after Voltaire died and passed away, they bought his mansion and they used his mansion uh, for a place to print copies of the Word of God. And all those years that in his wrath and his anger that he spent uh, uh, talking about that there was no God, that there was no exist, that God did not exist, and he mocked and he made fun. God allowed him to go on because he realized that the wrath of that man would eventually praise him, that his own his own dwelling place would be used to print the Word of God, and and that the Word of God would go forth. I mean, what a testimony how that God is even glorified that, he's, that, he's, uh, that He is God over the heathen. And so we see here that, that God is this, the magnifying of this victorious God that the sinners praise uh, Him in His wrath. And then saints praise, praise Him uh, not in wrath but in worship. We find that in verse 11. Look what He said, Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about Him bring presents unto Him that ought to be feared. In other words, because God has given them the victory, because God has allowed them to, to be able to come out on the other side. You know what they say? They said in verse number 11, they said, Bow and pay unto the Lord your God. Israel believed that worship ought to cost something. And I, I want to say today, it ought to cost us to worship. Whenever God gives us a victory, we ought to do what Israel did. We ought to invest in that. It may cost you in giving. God may give you a financial victory. If He does, you ought to give extra. I'm not just talking about tithing, and I'm not just talking about giving to missions, but if God gives you a great financial victory, don't forget Him in that. You ought to remember that. You ought to bless His name through giving in your, in, in your, in your money in that. And then you ought, to, you ought to do it in your time. Amen? If God gives you a victory, you ought to invest more time in the things of God. And then also you ought to do it with your talents. If God has given you a victory, use your talents to glorify Him. And then in testifying, you ought to pay vows that way. When God does something wonderful, when He does something great in your life, you ought to stand up in church and testify about it and magnify Him about it. If He answers a prayer, if He, if He, if He blesses you in a certain way, you ought to stand up and glorify Him and, and give Him the victory through that. We see the magnifying of this victorious God, the mercy of this victorious God, the majesty and the might of this victorious God. But I want you to look at verse number 12. What about the mystery of this victorious God? The Bible said in verse number 12, He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. We see here sinners. We see saints. But we see here this sovereign God. The so, we see here that, that as sinners have reverenced Him, as saints have reverenced Him, but even sovereigns must reverence Him. The Bible says in verse number 12 that He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. You know, kings may wear a crown. My friend, there's a king coming that's going to wear the ultimate crown. There's a king coming that can never be dethroned. He can never be defeated. My friend, listen, uh, he doesn't need an army. He doesn't need an arsenal. There's a king coming. 
that one day that no one will vote him in, no one's going to elect him. Hey, the Bible said the government shall be upon his shoulders and of a king uh, on his shoulders and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. There's not going to be anyone that's going to be capable of taking this king of glory down. And what? Listen, I look forward to that day when he comes and we think about him. What about the mystery of the victorious God? In other words, you you can't always see God's hand and you can't always uh, know what God is doing, but He's working behind the scenes and in the affairs of men and God uses both the good and He uses both the bad uh, to bring together His plan. Uh, God does not uh, God does not approve of the evil that's in this world, but He's God enough and He's big enough that He can take both the good and the evil and God can use it to formulate and to work out His own plan by His own will and His own way. And in the end, we will look back and we'll see the mystery of this victorious God. How that He can take the, the bad things in life and yet He can get good out of it. That when the battle is over with, when you and I have, have climbed the last hilltop, when we have fought the last battle and we look back over life's horizon, you know what we're going to see? We're not going to see a bunch of questions and we're not going to see a bunch of heartaches and we're not going to see a bunch of, uh, of, uh, of problems and we're not going to see a bunch of tears. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see that there was a victorious God that picked us up one day, that found us in the pit and the sin where we was at one day and thank God He picked us up and, he, and we started a journey with that God and over every hilltop and through every battle and through every heartache and through every tear and through every mile of the way we're going to see that God brought us safely thus far and that God gave us the victory and that ultimately in the end we won't have to question, we won't have to ask why because we'll know that in the end that it was all Him, that God saw us through and that He took care of us. You know, today we ought to look back through our life. Look at all the battles you've fought. and Look at all the victories you've won. And remind yourself that it's not been me and it's not been you. But it's been Him. And that if God has taken care of us all these years, don't you think God's going to take care of us now? Don't you think God is going to going to see us the rest of the way home. I tell you, we're on a journey home, and we're not too far from home. I don't believe it's going to be too much longer. The trumpet of God's going to sound, and the ultimate victory is going to be won on that great resurrection morning. What a day that's going to be when we see Him face to face. On that day, we'll see the, 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 the might of this victorious God. We'll see the majesty. We'll see the mercy. We'll also see the mystery. Our faith is going to end inside. What a great day. I look forward to that day. I'm longing for that day. I pray that it's very soon. As the songwriter said, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll take this message, encourage hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll help someone that's listening right now to take a look back through their life and just thank you for the battle that you have let them win. Maybe there's been a battle this week in someone's life and you've given them the victory. Maybe there's someone in a battle right now. They're discouraged. And Lord, I pray that you'll encourage them. Let them know that, as the songwriter said, how can we lose the battle with God on our side? That all things work together for good and that the God of the good times is the God of the bad times. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege to preach it. Speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.